Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Broadcast. My name is Baxter, um, also known as BT Jones. <laughs> and I'm here with Carter, also Josh Suggs. He's uh, doing stuff right now, but he will be here later for our interview, which, by the way, we do have the guest. He's not with us at the moment, but he will be arriving. He uh, will be back. Yeah, he will be here um, soon, be the guest, and, and so will Suggs. So, Welcome back to another episode. I'm back after yeah. two weeks. Two, two, two. two. Yeah. Two weeks and yeah. that half episode. Yeah, so, so we switched after roles three a episodes. Bit, yeah. yeah, so we switched um, the roles a little bit, made Josh do the same thing. I'll be the constant singing. <laughs> um, Since I got nothing better to do. No, I just figured Josh could use an episode just you. Yeah, that's true. Hey, <laughs> no, ain't nobody complaining. He ain't complaining. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> um, let's see here. What did it talk about? Uh, today was Youth Sunday at the church. Yeah, uh, so led by, enti- entirely led by. Um, the, youth. the youth. So, cannot rate Pastor Scott. He wasn't even here today, actually. I didn't even see him. Usually he's here, but... Usually so he is here. Kevin Knight come up gave and the, say a few words. Kevin Knight gave the mini-sermon, but he didn't even give him any sermon Nah, really. he just so came up and he just He just kinda, gave a brief summary, actually. So, that, just, that was pretty he, good. It kind of... It wasn't even a summary. He kind of just came up and said thank you to the youth, which... Yeah. I, I, well, I came in a little bit late. Um, yeah. My friend got baptized today, so... Yeah. W. Yes, sir. Um... And then, from what I heard from them, they did really good. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I guess, wait, so you can't rate, really? So. Well, I came in uh, towards the end of Isaiah's, right. uh, a little bit past halfway, and then I heard. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess yeah. we'll dive in. So, not, not rate Pastor Scott's, rate Isaiah and Jonah. My honest opinion, they, I think they did okay. I think, and I'm not trying to be biased towards my brother. I honestly think Baden and Blake did a little better. Yes, um, I can. I can I, I think they did a little better. Um, it seemed like to me, um, they both were kind of reading off their notes a little more than Baden and Blake. Like they didn't have it as memorized as I they enjoyed. Did. I enjoyed from what I heard about it. From what I heard from Isaiah, he did pretty good. Yeah, um, they both did pretty good. Jonah. Could have slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I think he it got was, nervous and he sped up. I think honestly, but he, he still did really good. He did. He, he did was, good. It was he just was a little, little bit. It was a little bit. I'll give him that, just talk quick. The, yeah, I didn't, think didn't really slow down to let yeah, me but understand was, yeah. what he was saying. Yeah, but Isaiah was quieter too, so it was kind of harder to understand him. Jonah was a little louder, but I guess it's his voice. But they did good. They did. Good. I think they, they did made, good. They did a couple jokes here and there, which is what you expect from the youth. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was good. Um. I think definitely. I think they. I think both. Honestly, me, my scale. I would put them both at seven to ten. I think. I think Baden and Blake definitely had theirs memorized, like fully. I think when Bl- well, I Blake did his, it wasn't memorized, but uh, Baden for sure. I think Baden only ever looked down at his notes once, and Blake did it like three times. But I think they were more glued to the podium, uh, whereas Blake and Baden were kind of walking all over the place. They also had a PowerPoint stuff like that. And not saying that's a bad thing or any of that, but no, not, um, at all. not at all. They definitely, they definitely did good. But um, the important thing was the message. Yeah, they did, they did good. Yeah, um, teaching it, but the message they, was good. It was Second Timothy two one through eighteen. Yeah. So I only, I was paying attention, but I also only caught bits and pieces because today somebody decided to bring their kid in. Oh. And wouldn't shut up the whole time. They were behind me. 
And they didn't, they were like, oh, maybe I should take my kid out because they're making too, no, they just kept having their kid in there. I can't listen. I was, I was getting so mad, bro. I was like, golly, take your kid out. I'm trying to listen, especially, especially uh, he did the most during Isaiah's, which was really annoying because Isaiah, like I said, he was a little quieter. I don't know if it was like the mic volume or what, or just, I think it might've been the mic volume because I was sitting in the lobby and he, it was pretty loud. Yeah, Cause Jonah, Jonah was loud. Isaiah, I could kind of barely hear I him. I think it was, bit. they did, they just but, didn't turn the mic up upstairs because that she turned the TV up in the lobby. Yeah, so uh, so I could hear a little better because I yeah. didn't want to walk in and try to find a seat on a youth Sunday when everybody and their mom and all yeah. their friends show up and yeah. everything else. Um, Isaiah, yeah. So I, I think I think both of them get a fair seven out of ten. I think both of them equally. I can, I can give along with that. I um, think they uh, did. They did do very good though. Yeah, they did good, uh, but I still think Baden and Blake were better. I still think, but that that doesn't mean that they were bad. No, that they, doesn't mean that they're all. bad at all. They, they were definitely great. Um, they did. They did do great. I do think this youth Sunday the lineup was better. Okay, sermon wise, I think Baden and Blake were better, but the lineup, like the skits and all the stuff they did, yeah, beforehand, I did miss all this those. Li- this lineup was better. I did than miss all those. Baden and Blake. Baden and Blake's lineup, I guess, is that what you call? it? I don't know. Like the the preparation up into it, that one was a little because I guess it was going into Malawi, so that's probably why they only did those like skits or whatnot. Um, so that's probably why they did that, but. Um, so they had the skits and then probably that, but they had way more skits in this one. They had the good ones too. Um, like they had the sign skit uh, with like the pride and all that, and it was really good. Um, I don't want them to make some new skits. No hate towards yeah. the skits or the songs. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what Ensemble's doing right now. I haven't heard him in a while. Um, yeah. Well, I know that. I know I she's doing I know, I know, exists. I know, I know, huh? I don't even think Ensemble exists. I'm pretty sure it does. No. They it's didn't just, sing it's today? just a praise brand. Praise band, but not an ensemble. They ensemble didn't sing. No, it's just praise band. Dang. They did it. They did it last time at uh, Baden and Blake's day. I mean, the, the youth doesn't have that many people, so that might be why. Yeah, it's probably can't do it anymore. I mean, when we were in youth, we had we also didn't lure just like three, like two hundred people. Up. <laughs> we had like one hundred and fifty, two hundred people up in that room. Yeah, because we were goats. Just so many people. Yeah, but we did. Uh, they did do good today. Um, yeah, sure. I didn't see puppets. I saw them cleaning up the puppets. <laughs> I didn't see the puppets. I didn't see. I heard. No, I didn't hear the praise band. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I did. <laughs> I've heard them. I've, I've heard them play, and they do do good. Yeah. But I did not yeah. hear them play this time. Yeah. But I imagine they did good. Yeah. Um. Overall, I think today's Sunday from from what from as much as I was there was really good. So what would you rate him? Uh, well, you technically can only rate Jonah, really. So what would you rate Jonah? About a seven and eight. Yeah. Could have used with a little more, just slowing down to yeah. get the message across. Because he did have some, he had some really good points. Yeah. But he kind of he stumbled like, a little bit. Oh, well, he said them and then just kept talking. Yeah. You gotta kind of break it up a little bit and. Because Suggs used to have that problem too when he first started um, yeah. doing his sermons. Um, he'd just speak through it. Yeah. And they told him, they said, hey, like, just try slowing down. Like when you get to a heavier point, like, just slow down a bit, take a breath, let the point sink in a bit, and then go. Yeah, for sure. It helps get the point across like, hey, this is – Deep stuff. And today's message was Second Timothy, one through eighteen, talking about um, the life of a Christian, how it's 
uh, of how you're supposed to act. Uh, what was it? A farmer, a yeah. soldier, and what was the last one? I don't remember. Because <laughs> I got, uh, because of the baby crying, I got a little sidetracked and I was kind of thinking about it. And <sighs> this is, this can sound so stupid when I'm saying it, but I guess this can lead into a little bit of a tangent before we get into the main segment, which is the interview. Star Wars is really similar to like Christianity, low key. So, just, I just, hear, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. So, Jedi's, right? They're the good guys, right? And Jedi's like have to be basically like religious, have to have like super high morals, calm all the time, can't succumb to anger or anything like that. You know, like the, the reason, like, when you're a kid, Jedi's are cool to you, but when you get older, you realize they're not as cool because they're always like calm. They lack emotion, stuff like that. I'm not saying you have to lack emotion as Christians or anything like that, but you know, they're the morally good people. You know, they 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 basically have to act like like you know how a Christian should try to be like God kind of thing. And then there's gray Jedi's, and if anybody who doesn't know what a gray Jedi is, it's basically just a Jedi. But I want to do whatever I want. I don't care. I'll ride the line. If I want to kill somebody, I'll kill somebody. If I don't want to kill somebody, I'm not going to kill somebody. If I want to get angry, I'll get angry. If I want to stay calm, I'll stay calm. That's what a gray Jedi is. And they're kind of like you know the people that I guess don't believe in anything. You know, they're just like you know, they're the, uh, you know, they're I guess the. I would have gone more with Narnia because it's kind of based more of Christianity. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I'm drawing seclusion. And then think about, like, the dark side, though. The dark side, they succumb to anger, you know? They succumb to anger and sin. <laughs> I, I don't know, bro. I, I see I, where you're coming <laughs> from, but it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying. Uh, it's because I've been playing. Uh, so for anybody that doesn't know, let's let's go ahead and put in the, uh, what's, what's Barrett playing? Playing Jedi Survivor right now. And I got to say, that game is fire it's way better than fallen order for sure fallen order fallen orders so fallen order good. was good the story but this is, was so yeah good. this game feels way more fluid the the fighting feels fluid the stances are great the customization's even better i got mine looking like vigilante deku from my hero i've got a cape on i'm just treading the all black like luke skywalker and i've got like a silver lightsaber with like gold accents on it and a yellow yellow blade i am rocking it with and then i got a gold bd coming in and i'm i'm going in i am tearing up this frontier, right? But, um, um, I, I, like, it's open world, too, and, like, you can pretty much snap onto anything. It's, it's not like in uh, Fallen Order where everything has, like, a color code. Here, it's, like, it still kind of has that, but, like, if there's a ledge and it's not even color-coded, you can snap onto it, like, anything. And the Force powers are great. I haven't unlocked any new ones. It's just all the ones from the first games, but I know there are more. Well, no, uh, Mind Trick. Mind Trick wasn't in the last one. Uh, Mind Trick, you get it, like, near the beginning of the game. But, um... I'm pretty sure there's going to be more force powers because there's some things I'm just not able to do. Um, yeah, you get a grappling hook too, which is pretty cool. I won't spoil anything, but so far my experience one, has been great. The first one was great. Yeah. I played um, through. And I heard the New Game Plus in this was is way better than the first one because the first one, New Game Plus, was garbage. I beat both. Yeah, I know, but the New Game, like they, the New Game Plus, all it does is give you a red saber and an Inquisitor outfit. It doesn't even do anything else after that. No, but, yeah. But, uh, it took them a while to even get that in there. Yeah, and you can also customize his hair length and his beard, which is awesome. So I got, like, a long hair. Like, kind of looks like Anakin kind of thing. Um, <laughs> sort of, but I'm not big on the prequels. I can't wait prequels, to, But I can't wait to play it. Uh, it's really good. I think this is honestly the game I've been looking for. Because, like, even though it's Cal Kestis, I think the great thing – first of all, I'd love to see a movie with Cal Kestis. First of all, I'd love to get a trilogy for Cal Kestis. And I think if they make one more like this and improve, like keep everything that worked in this game and improve on it, I think 
they'll have a near perfect Star Wars game. But I think this is the game that a lot of people have been wanting, like an open world Star Wars like experience. Yeah. And even though it's Cal Kestis, you can customize him so well that you can make it feel like it's you. Like me already, I've already uh, I was able to unlock the long hair real early and. I have just like a, like I said, I have a cape on and just I'm wearing like all black. I'm just kind of I'm kind of like rocking like a more ragged like you know Outlander kind of style. It feels like me. I don't even feel like I am Cal. But also Cal, he is him. That's all Cal I'm saying. Cal, Cal is him. Cal like, is I would say he is roughly besides Luke Skywalker, my favorite Jedi of all time. He is my second favorite. Luke Skywalker is my favorite because obviously he's Luke. He's the goat. And also because I have a little bit of great great Jedi uh, bias. Um, he becomes a great Jedi after after the you know episode six uh, in between the time before the prequels and after after the originals he becomes a great Jedi everybody knows that um, and it looks like they're gonna make Cal go in that direction I don't know uh, I haven't gotten far enough in He's the story supposed to help. His whole mission is to help rebuild the Republic. Yeah, try to is but, what he's doing. So he's gonna lead more into uh, probably starting the resistance. Try to. Well, we don't know what'll happen to him and if they have it's a third game. Going but on. It's all can yeah, it's at all canon. Same now. time as Well no, he remember he survived so he survived he was a teenager when Order sixty six attacked. So that was when uh Luke and Leia were born. So they're still kids at this point. And it's only been five years from Fallen Order to to uh I was thinking more along the Well he was a kid, of, not even uh, a, not even a teenager. He was a teenager in the game Fallen Order, but he was a uh, he was a kid during the a, Order sixty six. So it's young. been a little bit. I would say Luke and Leia are probably they're probably about going on eleven at, at Survivor time because now Cal it's been five years. So to say he's probably like twenty one, twenty two, maybe. Because like what was he like? I think he was probably was he eighteen in Fallen Order. I don't know. I'm I trying think to so. think of what was going on. Um, 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 um what was. What was uh, trying to think of what's going on at the same time as the new game? It's in between. So it's in between after Order sixty six and before A New Hope. So it's before that. It's all this time, and basically, it's well, yeah. He's basically going in between the time. So the empires. It's basically Empire rising to 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 the strength it does in A New Hope. So it's an Empire steadily gaining power, um, and it's also like. In this in this game, you actually fight the battle droids from the separatists, and it's because you know they all got decommissioned after Order sixty six. Yep. So people can find them and just reprogram them to do whatever they want. So it's more just it, it's, and I think that's what makes it work because it's its own story, and that's why they made it canon too. Because it's like it doesn't interfere with any of the main series stuff. It doesn't interfere with sequels, prequels, or originals. It's like its own thing. It's in between that time period. So yeah, there's and, a lot that. They're yeah. like they're like really trying to fill in the gap in yeah. between those two movies. Yeah, and and Cal is a canon character for anybody that is interested in Star Wars. I don't know why we've been nerding out for like <laughs> five minutes, but he is a canon character, which is why I'd love to see a movie on him. It would be friggin' sick. Speaking of movies about characters, I'm hyped for the Ahsoka show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ahsoka's my favorite character. Yeah. Peach. You're so cool. <laughs> nah, I grew up watching um, the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. I wasn't so, big on that show, but so I just, I grew up with uh, the the Clone Wars was one is one of my favorite like time periods that wasn't covered in the movies when I was growing up. And, yeah, like they touch on it, but like I was like, it's like where's all the fighting? Yeah, like all I get is good old iconic Obi Wan and Grievous. Yeah. But um, 
So yeah. I grew up. I grew up with Ahsoka pretty much, and just saw her grow as a as a character. And they yeah. did such a great job in that show yeah. with well, everything. We we both grew up around the time of the prequels, but I genuinely like this. Might be a hot take, even though back then it wasn't. Now I would say it is. I I kind of low key hate the prequels. <laughs> Okay, I don't think I don't think they're bad movies. I think they're good movies. Revenge of the Sith is my second favorite movie. I just don't like the fans. They're like they just don't shut up about it. They make it seem like it's the best movies ever. Like they're fine. The original trilogy is great. That's just, that's just me. I love Luke. I think this is my hot take though. I think Luke's the chosen one. I just think he is. No, there's no way. Especially I because saw, he became a great Jedi. Like I saw an interview with George Lucas. Anakin was the chosen one. He always was the chosen one. Yeah, but then he got nerfed. (laughs) He became Darth Vader. He got nerfed. Luke came in, brought him back to the light side. He said that. Yeah. And then he killed the Emperor. Yeah. Killed the Emperor. Disney decided to bring him back. Yeah. Um, Killed the Emperor, threw him down, destroyed the Sith. Yeah. He was the chosen one. Yeah. He just went down the wrong path, but his son helped bring him back. And became, but I also don't think, like, I love Darth Vader as a character. I love everything. But, and uh, as much as um, Star Wars Legends, the comics, are canon, a part of me, like, kind of ruins it. Because, like, his whole reason for just being a Sith is because he's a simp. He literally just lives in regret that he killed Padme. And his entire thing is like, oh, Padme, I'm going to bring you back to life. And then he's just, I get why he's depressed, man. Like, I get it. You're a cyborg. You're in pain constantly all the time. Your body is, like, singed to heck. But, like, come on now. But, nah, he just <laughs> fell into the rage and couldn't but, get out of it. Yeah. And Apart I, from, I mean, it, I guess for that it, brief time period that Starkiller was. Um, if, he, if he was canon. That brief time period where he kind of was. Yeah. Even in that game, he tries, like in the first one, he tries to get Starkiller yeah. to kill the Emperor. Yeah. For him. Yeah. So, so that way he could, he could play the right-hand man, and then his secret apprentice would come in and kill the Emperor, and he would help. Yeah. That did not happen. Yeah. But um, I guess that also kind of goes into what I did this week, aside from work. And also playing another game that uh, I showed you. That anime game is called Atelier Riza. Yeah, I've it's been actually seeing, I've been seeing ads for it on YouTube. Really? And, yeah. Everything or you else. mean Honkai Star Rail? That one. That one. I played that. I'm I'm playing that too, but I'm taking my time on it. Yeah, That's I see ads for it. I saw ads for it, and I was like, it was right after you sent me a video about it. And yeah. I saw an ad for it, and I was like, huh? Yeah. And then. It said made by the same people that brought you Genshin Impact. Yeah. I was like, I was like, ah, yeah, all right, yeah. But there's another one I'm playing called. It's not made by those people. It's called. It's made by Koei Tecmo. Um, it's called Italia Ryza, and low key, it's low key kind of fun. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of what I did this week besides uh, work. Uh, I mainly did just work this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty much all I did this week was work. I I wasn't at the wide this much as much this week. Yeah, I noticed. Um, I think <laughs> it was like yeah. one time under yeah. this week. Um, I'm there a lot more this week though, so I'm gonna get some money this week. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much all I did this week. Um, oh what? Did I do? no? I didn't do anything. 
yeah. and didn't do anything. I, I try to get on my week. Yeah, and, I try to like do when I'm playing, like when I'm on my work week. I don't really play games that much. I'm probably going to do that this week, though, because of the Star Wars game. But usually I try to make my weekends, like my biggest like game. Like I don't do anything on the weekends now, especially now that I'm like <laughs> alone all the time and don't do anything. Uh, dude, all I do, I, I'll come to, I, I come here to do the podcast and I go to church. And then Saturday, I come here one more time um, to do like some cleaning. And that's it. Uh, other than that, I don't move. I, I go, I go home, and I, I game, bro, until I can't like. Cause and it's fun. It kind of makes gaming fun in that way. Cause like I feel like I burn myself out if I keep doing it all the time. Yeah, right? I'm so kind of like, that. I'm in that spot with COD right now. Yeah. I'm kinda, so through the week, I'll just like watch like Family Guy or like I'll watch YouTube or whatever, watch whatever. And then during the the weekends, I'm going at it. But now that this new Star Wars game came out, and it's like everything, kind of almost every. I think the Force powers are great, but um. If they were more like uh, the Force Unleashed, I think it'd be a little better. But other than that, um, it is kind of everything I've wanted. Even the like the platforming and stuff feels fluid. I didn't know how that was gonna work. Um, I do wish it was a little less Dark Soulsy, but nah, I kinda, when I kind of enjoy, enjoy once you get used to it and you get better at it, I enjoy it because now I'm starting to get better at it. I was I did suck at first, um, but I'm starting to get better at it. So now I kind of really like it, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be grinding that this Speaking week. Speaking of Dark week, Souls, too. there was a guy who went in and beat every Dark Souls game in order on stream Yeah. without taking any damage. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Well, if you play Dark Souls. Dark Souls players uh, memorizing the pattern of rain. <laughs> if, you, if you do play Dark Souls, it is a very difficult game. Yeah, one of the hardest games ever made. Dark Souls 3 specifically, but... But it is very difficult. But the hitboxes are nice because you don't have like an actual just character box. It's yeah, it's your character outline. Like if the sword like barely misses you as you fall down, or yeah. as you're like ducking, yeah, <laughs> but you um, don't take damage. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, Josh is like we said. Josh is here, um, and Josh he's going to be here. He's he's busy right now. Uh, but yeah, we will, uh, he's going to be here with the missionary in a second. Um, so I think we're going like to go the man, on the myth, the legend yeah. himself. Yeah. And we won't say, well, can't say, can't say, but That's we'll say, we'll say it. We're going to go, but you'll find out we're going to, yeah, we're going to three. Yeah. We're going to go add one ad break. We are so excited today. Um, this is our first real interview we're going to have yeah. with somebody. And it's, uh, I know we haven't said it yet in the pod who it is, but it is, uh, Jorge Jones, also known as George Jones, but not the country singer. Yes. No, it's actually Robbie Jones, Barrett's father. Yeah, a.k.a. King Robbie as well. A.k.a. King yeah. Robbie. King Robbie. Yeah. Um, well, he, he does a lot of mission stuff at uh, Pitts Baptist Church, and uh, we asked him if he'd come on the pod. He just got back from, uh, what, Malawi, Africa? Yeah. He was up in Kentucky this week doing some things, and uh, we thought it'd be a great time to bring him on and talk about missions um, just in a, uh, a Christian light and see, um, you know, his experiences and uh, what he can give us for advice and missions locally and then abroad and then regionally too at the same time. But um, I guess to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, my name is Robbie Jones. For those of you who don't know me, Barrett is my son. I have two other boys, uh, Brennan and Baden, but there are no free shout-outs on the show. So <laughs> yes. uh, um, anyway, um, I, ha- I grew up in a uh, Christian home, and I went on my first mission trip when I was 13 years old. So, uh, and really caught the mission bug then, and it's been a part of my life ever since. Um, had my own business for a while, building houses, and then I took the job here at the church about 13 years ago. 
So, and uh, that leads us to today. My, my job's morphed into getting our congregation and people around me involved in mission work. Hmm. What did the start out as here at Pitts? Was it, uh, always that? it was just, when I first started, it was facilities director, and I'm still that. Uh, I take care of all the facilities, the cleaning, the things break, um, bathroom stuff, any, anything, uh, our building, uh, when we upgrade our buildings, things like that. And um, even then I was going on missions, I was helping the youth. Uh, I've been on missions with quite a few youth groups. Um, my first mission youth group here was actually when Kevin Seeger was youth pastor. In 2006, we went to Belize. Belize. With um, Tommy Redden and Drew Redden, if you remember those names back, Tom Redden's kids. So I've been going that long here on missions. So <laughs> and I'm going on a mission trip time. with Tom in, uh, in uh, <laughs> yeah, next in month. That, yeah, correct, in Alaska, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and Brennan will be going on that one. Yeah, you? I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited for that. I'll have him on too, Brennan. Yeah, we'll have to get Brennan yeah. on too. Uh, where was your first mission trip? Where'd you go when you were 13? We went, we went to um, the Bahamas and to Eleuthera. Um, funny story there is in Eleuthera, we we swam out. Um, you know, if you've ever been to the Bahamas, you can see yeah. the water. Mm -hmm. It's real clear. And we swam out, and we found an 11-pound conch shell. <laughs> and so we were asking the natives, how, how did you get the conch out of this thing? And they... When you go buy one in the store, they drill a hole in it mm. and take the conch out, but we didn't want to do that. So he said, you take the big fish hook and you hook it, and then you hang it by its shell, and as it dries out, it'll drop the shell. So my best friend, who was crazy, gets this <laughs> idea, and so we hang it. And so the next morning, we come out, and the conch's about halfway out of the shell. So he starts pushing down the shell, and I'm standing there watching, and, and the shell all of a sudden fell right on the top of my foot. Oh, no. <laughs> and it cut my foot. And uh, long story short, I had to go find a hospital to get sewed up, and they had no Novocaine. So at 13, I got the top of my foot needled for about two hours to get sewed up, oh, and it did not feel good. <laughs> it, it hurt. Yeah. But, uh, and then it got infected because I, I didn't stay out of the water because I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in a foreign country. I'm going to have a good time. So oh, I guess that's where I get all my stupid stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's 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 good. Uh, when you how'd you come about going on these mission trips when you were uh, in the youth? I guess when you were in a youth group back in your day, did um, your church, your school? Yeah, our church. Um, Mark Logan, who's been here before, was uh, to this church, and we actually support him in our budget. Here was my youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Always had a heart for missions, and uh, after I went on that trip, I went on a couple others uh, as well, and then in college I went on one, and so we. It just was something that was always a part of me. Um, even when I was at Hickory Grove for a while, I also went on a mission trip or two. And then when I came here, um, I, I knew Kevin Seeger because he and I uh, graduated from Northside together. And uh, he's a year older than me, but don't tell him I said that. But, uh, anyway, he, he uh, so he knew that my missions background. I think I think the Lord gives you a heart for missions. You know, when you see people. Unfortunate, and I've been all over, not just in poor places, but you know, I just went to Paris last October, going back in July, and I would say that Paris needs Jesus even more than Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, with the, with the generational issues there and um, the things they're concerned about and their apathy towards Jesus. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for me, just personally watching from the outside, because I don't know you as well as other people do, 
But I do see, like, you live out Acts 1-8, you know, mm -hmm. to be Christ's witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right. well and faithfully. And, you know, that's encouraging. That's why I asked Barrett if you'd come on the pod, just because yeah. you have all this experience and missions, and uh, you get to see, like, all these amazing places in the world, but at, like you said, like to see people who need Jesus and going to meet them in their place. I think you know, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but what all places have you gone, you know, across um, the world? I was thinking about that this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that too. I've been to Delaware Africa quite went, a few You went to times. Delaware with us. Yeah, I've been over the U.S. I've been about everywhere in the U.S. except I haven't really been out to Seattle, that area, you know, the northwest, mm -hmm. but mid middle of uh, the country, Oklahoma, those areas. Um, and then all over the East Coast, you know, New York. I was just in New York a year and a half ago, um, in August a year ago. But as far as foreign countries, started out down there in the Bahamas. Um, a few years later, went to Jamaica. Uh, been to Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, all down south in South uh, Central America. And then when I started going to Africa, went to South Africa first, um, and then Malawi, uh, Zambia, Cameroon, been to Cameroon, uh, and then have been uh, through Doha, which is uh, Qatar. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's nice there if you like yeah. heat. I'm, I hate cold weather. Um, when I got off the plane in there, it was 135 degrees. Oh, <laughs> That's not for me. It's a dry heat. Though. That's in Fahrenheit. But just had the opportunity to go all over. And at some point, the Lord just put in me to, I want to share this with others. I want others to realize. And, and every trip's different. And been all through Europe, too. Paris, um, Amsterdam, uh, where else? It, Italy, all different. Um, uh, Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, a couple of different places. But in every place, you realize there's lost people everywhere. Yeah. And there's lost people now in America more than yeah, right around us too. Even here, yeah. Mm -hmm. And not mention, you know, like you said, I've been to Delaware. You go up north, you don't even hear much about God mm -hmm. in, in people. And we, and I think a lot of people don't even take the time to think about their spiritual condition a lot. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you ever go to Canada, or did you not go on that? Yeah, I went to Can Toronto, oh, Canada. Yeah. No, I didn't go with our church. Yeah, I went to Toronto, Canada. Uh, back then, and then did a trip up in upstate New York as well. But to, yeah. e even back then, Toronto, Canada, we were in this park, and this lady was on drugs, and she was like mm -hmm. trying to get in our in our group. In fact, we had to pick up and leave just so that we didn't uh, cause a scene or anything. But yeah. even back then, people in in Canada were very close off to God. Of course, you know Canada's full of French people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Paris was a real eye opener for me as to where people. Uh, were not open uh, to the gospel. They weren't, I won't say they were oppositional, but they were definitely apathetic. Yeah. And, and some people had never even, have grown up now in, in Paris and in France without a thought of Christ, never going to church, never even thought about, you know, and the question I ask them when I get there, I don't say, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah. Obviously, I say, hey, you know, have you ever thought about what's going to happen after you die? I ask them first what they think is the most important thing in their life. And uh, in Paris, without without change, every time you ask that question, the answer is the same regardless of age, and that's climate change. Climate change. Mm. That's mm. the most important thing to them in their life. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I see it definitely around us here in Charlotte, especially going to a bunch of games mm -hmm. uh, in downtown. Just the craziness that ensues with uh, people in just in downtown Charlotte, and let alone there's. 
there's darkness everywhere, and I think cultural Christianity is, you know, definitely losing its its spell here in the South, at least mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt. Um, people are, you know, now it's back then. It was like, what are you? Mm-hmm. People would say they're just a Christian. Uh, and I mean, even in elementary school, yeah. you know, growing up with these people in elementary school, who said, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian because you know either my parents went to church. Or I went to church when I, like twice when I was in first, second grade or whatever. Then you get to high school and like, I don't really believe in anything um, mm-hmm. on their own. And you just see the darkness that's taken over. But there is like you, people like you who are a light on, you know, on the sail, like right. proclaiming Jesus to them. And I think, you know, that's, uh, that's a marvelous thing. Because when we went to Delaware, I yeah. saw it, just how like ap- apathetic people were. But the people who were in the church there, they were so energetic, so lively for Christ. And I like. To me, that blew me away just because I think a lot of people can get comfortable here and go through the motions of being a Christian, you know, go to church on Wednesday and Sunday and sit and, you know, listen and receive everything but not give back. But up there, it was completely different. Even the kids that were in the youth group were going out during their spring break and helping us out during our spring break, you know, and that was that was definitely a testimony to, to that church and everybody up there in Delaware. You know, I don't know if you guys got any questions for Rob. Yeah, uh, and he's also been on uh, building missions up in Snowbird, too. In the Snowbird one with Delaware? Yeah, we just yeah. came back from there in March. Uh, we built a stage at Snowbird, mm-hmm. so the Pitts guys did, and and, Brady, and we loved going there. Um, we we built the where the female counselors stay now in the green houses, mm-hmm. what used to be like bus sheds or something. Yep. We, we built those a couple years ago, and we just enjoy, especially uh, activating – I have different groups. Like I have a construction group of guys that if I say, hey, we need to go somewhere, they always just jump on board. And this this church has a very missional mindset compared to many other places. And that's uh, having a missional mindset will keep a church healthy and strong. So my favorite things about this church. Yeah. And you're the leader of the mission group here, right? The, or well, one of the mission. Well, we have a mission committee. Everything goes through the mission committee. I'm not the chair. Uh, being on staff, I didn't really want to be the chair, but I am the yeah. vice chair this year. First time I've ever been in that role, um, but it's led right now by Melinda Edgerton. Yeah. And, um, but it's a group of people that wanted to put um, – we, we put things on pen and paper, but we wanted to activate our congregation mm-hmm. and make them more aware. And I hope we've started little things like the mission moment now yeah. that we're doing in church to make people more aware, hey, this is all going on in our church. Some people, like you said, they come on Sunday – and they don't see or hear from right. anything. The Alaska group's going to be presenting soon and, and different things. So you'll have a great experience. I was at Solid Rock last year. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't even mention Alaska. I've been to Alaska three or four times. Yeah. Uh, first time I went, there was no um, – you couldn't even see the roads. There was so much <laughs> snow on the ground. <laughs> and it was cold. It, it got to negative 15. It's a little chilly Ooh. for me. <laughs> So. Oh, I'm excited for it. Luckily, I'm going in the summertime, so <laughs> yeah. you know, I might see some snow on the mountains. Yeah. But it's um, still gonna be cold. Yeah, yeah. They told me I'm going out in the wilderness. Yes, the uh, canoe trip. Yeah, the wilderness canoe trip. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's that. That campus is actually beautiful. It's much bigger than Snowbird. It it's not as many staff or as many kids, but it, it's it has its own little niche. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, they're sending us. I think it's like 40 miles out in the Alaskan wilderness with. Uh, Wow. 12 to 15 kids, so me, Jonah Edgerton, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, I guess two other counselors will go out there with them for the week, and then we'll get to you know teach and disciple them throughout the week. So that's going to be exciting because I get the wet water experience at least, yeah, yeah. old school stuff and in my back pocket that I have. I pull out and be like, I know how to do, do this, and I start a fire for it. But uh, definitely got some fears on that, seeing the bears and stuff would be scary. Yeah, yeah. and bear hunting. Bear hunting, yeah. <laughs> The other thing I would say is that anyone can be a missionary. You hear mm-hmm. a lot of people, 
make excuses as to why, you know, uh, I've got young kids, I can't leave. Um, Barrett and them were one to four when I started going on a lot mm -hmm. of mission trips. And, you know, there's no better time than the present. And one day we'll all stand before the Lord, and I didn't want to have to say, well, you know, you gave me that opportunity, but my <laughs> kid was three. No. You know, and so we yeah. have to be careful as Christians. Um, and, and people tell me, too, well, I don't have the resources. The resources are God's. Do you really think that God knows any difference between 10000 and a million dollars? No. He owns it all. Yeah. And if he wants you to go and if you're obedient and you obey him, the resources have always. I mean, there have been times that people have even, unknown to me, they've come up to me and say, hey, someone paid for your trip. Didn't even ask. Hmm. And so God supplies when you obey him, he supplies. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. But culture would say, well, that place is not safe. Yeah. Culture would say that you could get sick going there. Culture would say this, but... Sometimes those are the most important places to be. They are. Yeah, I think what Paul says, you know, like, to be, to be, he'll become, you know, poor, to reach the people who are poor, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, he'll be, like, talk to the Gentiles, he'll become like the Gentiles or the Jews, and, and, right. and not in the uh, worldly sense, but to talk to those people, and I think, you know, if you save one person, or not yourself, but the Spirit, you know, using mm -hmm. you, go in there and you reach one person and they, and they receive the gospel, you know, I think how that uh, eternally rings out, and I think, the story that gets to me the most that when I heard it is uh, Kevin Seeger's grandpa, I think it was, mm -hmm. who got the uh, gospel tract uh, from the milkman. Mm -hmm. How he put milk yeah. at his door? You know, he got saved, and then that led to Dave Seeger. And you see Dave Seeger, mm -hmm. you know, right. the echoings of what he's done in the church. You know, just for the youth and the kids who grew up in Awana, and then right. Kevin Seeger. You just see like one person does one thing, you impact one person's life. Right. But look, this has impacted thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people. With the gospel, and that's the beauty of what the Spirit does. You know, you trust in Him, mm -hmm. you follow what He says, and that's just, I mean, I think that's one of the most beautiful stories, you know, that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And one day we'll stand before God, and all the nations will be there, mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting. Uh, Kevin Knight and I were talking about how one day all those people that got saved in Malawi, we don't even know them, mm -hmm. but we'll know then yeah, he had the impact you had in their life. And it had like, was it 4,000 people in winter? 4,400? Oh, uh, no, no, this past no, no, it was just 552, no. but it was in a small, they were packed in tight. Uh, Malawians don't have a uh, a fear of personal space. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they were, I, I like to say, you know, you hear shoulder to shoulder in America, they were ear to ear. Ear to ear. Ear to ear. Well, well, I guess you said fears. What fears do you have, do you have going on mission trips, if there's any? Um, when I first started going, I had some fears. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I slept outside the first couple times I went. Um, hot, you know, mosquitoes, getting sick from mosquitoes. But I always said if I was doing what the Lord wanted me to do, then if if it happened, that's, that's okay. Look at what Paul did. I mean, Paul was thrown in prison. Yeah. He was way more uncomfortable than we were. You just have to be willing to sacrifice and realize that things might not always go the way you want. But um, the biggest fears I had was something happening to me and leaving my family, mm. you know, like having, to, like, having to like live on the field or whatever. Well, no, not even living on the field. That wouldn't be a problem. Okay. I'm just leaving you guys. Like if something happened to me, um, you know, airplanes, they're very safe, more safe than cars, but you know, you fly on enough of them. Yeah. yeah. The law of averages or, starts to catch up to you. Right? Right. Or the elephant actually gets you this time since you always seem to get attacked by elephants. Oh, yeah. Time yeah. You yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish Chris Till was here. Chris and Christy Till, they could tell you a great story about, about getting stomped by an elephant. 
<laughs> oh, my what? God. Yeah, on, our, on the top of our van. So, yeah. Uh, in South Africa, that was in South Africa. So there's a, there's a lot of great stories. And, and another thing about mission trips is a lot of the youth that have gone mission trips has changed their lives. Mm. Katie Cloyce yeah. went to Malawi in 2018, I think. She's on the mission field now. Yeah. Time. And that, that experience, I'm not saying that's the only thing that led her there. Obviously, she went to Snowboard yeah. and all that. But that was definitely the, the, Open her eyes kindled, yeah. the, the fire that got kindled in her was Malawi. Yeah. And I, I, don't you think, I mean, young people... Your guys' age, unless they've been over there, they have no clue of how some kids have to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're hungry, you go to McDonald's, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you want dessert, you go to Krispy Kreme, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was telling us before we found a McDonald's connected to a Krispy Kreme, and we were like, yo, what? <laughs> In Kentucky, so yeah. I think uh, we're, we might uh, we'll make pick a road up, trip. Pick up yeah. to Kentucky. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Um, What's some uh, crazy mission stories you got, man? Uh, crazy. Crazy. Um, I can tell you one in 2018. Y'all know um, Scott Barfield. Yep, of course. Um, the goat. We put him on a uh, – the last Sunday before we were going to leave, um, the kids were doing some of the service, but then Pastor Henry, who's the president of the orphanage, he wanted some of my guy, my, my male chaperones, to go different places with different pastors. So we sent Scott – with this pastor that uh, to do baptisms, and so we got we go to baptize. Um, I knew number one he wouldn't come back for a long time because they don't have a sense of time in Malawi. <laughs> so I knew it'd be two or three o'clock before he got back, and it was. But the the crazy part of that story is, um, and he tells it way better than I do. But um, and I this was what I suspected would happen when they said baptism. You know, you think baptism no big deal. You get in the pool and they dunk you. Well, there they baptize in the Sherry River. Well, Sherry River is full of crocodiles, <laughs> big crocodiles. <laughs> so, yeah. so the pastor gets in and he's 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 got a big stick and he's doing like this. And and Scott's like, "What is he doing?" It's like he's checking for crocodiles while the other or, or some guy got in. The pastor of, of the like the regional pastor mm-hmm. got in and he was checking for crocodiles while the other pastor was baptizing behind him. So, <laughs> so that was an eye-opening experience. You'll have to ask Scott Warfield. I will definitely ask you yeah. about that. So, so <laughs> he got to see a, a full-fledged, dangerous. I mean, that comes down to: Do you really want to be baptized? Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the water wasn't you know wasn't heated like it is here or anything. There was no comfort, it's no road. Cold. But I mean, and I've seen in Malawi, and and Kevin's seen them too. But we've seen crocodiles eighteen foot long, so they could carry you off. Massive, very massive. massive. You uh, you got a you got a heart for any specific group of people? Any any anything that your Lord's drawn you to? Well, the Malawians are definitely a, a group. You know, as as poor as they are, they always have a smile on their face, and they're always grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look back, the problems that are going on even today in America, if you read Romans one at the very beginning, that whole snowball started because of what they were ungrateful, mm-hmm. and Malawians are always seem to be grateful for what they have, as little as they have, and they seem to be uh, always welcoming to Westerners and Americans, and I'm grateful for what we help them with. So I I think that's very important for them. The people of Paris, um, I'll have to admit, God stretched me just the last uh, year or two. When I first went to Paris, I'm like, man, I'm not going to like this. These people are snobs. You know, you hear hear all these things Mm -hmm. about them. And um, so you got to be careful not to go with preconceived notions about people but um when i got off the plane and, and got there and started talking to them they're really not you know mm-hmm. they're just they are apathetic to the gospel but 
they're like anyone else. You know, they're living day to day, trying to make a living, trying to make, most people want their life to count. You know, uh, they just, uh, it broke my heart to see them live with, if you don't believe in anything, you really have no hope, yeah. you know. And I think Malawians, the one bright thing you see in their eyes is hope. They don't have much. They got. They come out of a hut. Um, the one thing they all do have is a cell phone. They come out of a hut with a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> so they can talk to each other. No car. You know, they cook on an open fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got back, you know, uh, w- two weeks ago today, actually, and there were 17 of us that cooked that I hired, cooked all week for 17 people on an open fire. Mm. So. Like camping. <laughs> next time you're cooking, just think of how easy you have it to cook. A conventional stove, <laughs> oven, yeah. put it in there. Yeah. Let it preheat. He made you. fried chicken on an open fire, and it, yeah, I'll so put already, it up against anybody. You already knew how it was at home. When <laughs> I, I got to taste that. Every every time I didn't eat all my food at home, it was always there are kids in Africa that don't have anything to eat. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I said that it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How hard how hard is it uh, to to talk to people with uh, you know language barrier and everything? Um, in Malawi, it's it's a little difficult, but you know there are certain things that are that transcend languages. A smile, mm-hmm. um, body language. Um, in Malawi, is still one of those countries where there's not so much political strife that you can't hug a child. You know, mm-hmm. you're not restrained by like in America, you about have to sign a liability to step somewhere now. Yeah. So. Um, you're much more free to love on the children, to uh, to help them, and even help people there. Um, but it's there's a lot of things. Chichewan, I've learned a lot. That's the language there, Chichewan. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask, are you because I know you're fluent in Spanish. Are you yeah. almost fluent in Chichewan? Uh, I wouldn't say fluent, but but you're close to like getting no, there. No, not man. Speak. I can for get on. Speak huh? for it. Speak. What for do you want to say? Muli Bonji. You want me to say Zinalaka and Donnie? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Yeah. Sounds like and, a menu. Yeah, uh, if you say my sweater bonji, that's uh, good afternoon. Mazuka bonji is good morning. Um, and, a lot of bonjis uh, going on right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah bonji. <laughs> yeah, but the the vowels in Chichewan are the same as Spanish. Uh, so they only have one sound, and and every time you see an a, it's an off. So it was a little easy for me. That French, I've been kind of working on a little bit, and it's bonjour. Yeah, bonjour. We, that's all. I don't. We 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 like. C'est la vie. I don't like uh, French that much. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just tough. But but the Lord has a sense of humor. The places that I think, another place, and I'll just share this with you, another place that I don't think I would really ever want to go much is India in that area. But I can see God taking me there. Bond, I mean, I wouldn't say no if God felt laid on my heart. But it's just not a place. Like, I'm not big on curry. Even yeah. I try to stay away from Indian food. Although I'll eat about anything else. Um, I just don't like curry. But... You know, God has other plans sometimes, so whatever it takes. And, I, yeah, I don't eat spicy food yeah. either. So. Yeah. I'll, eat, I'll eat Cajun food sometimes, but do you ever eat a, eat a rat? Oh, uh, yeah, I tried. I tried, <laughs> I, I tried a mouse. Uh, that's a delicacy there. They usually eat it in two bites, front front to middle, middle to front Oh, back. that's nasty. Oh. And then the tail's just left dribbling out of their mouth. Oh. And they just suck it up, and it's uh, it's all gone. Hey, it's protein. Protein. Eight what is the... Well, the nastiest thing that you've eaten over the years on the missions? Uh, probably a, a mouse, but a lot, okay, you can get different types of mouse, okay? They, they get them out of the field, they, they burn their holes, and so they smoke them out. They, they don't burn them, they, they get a torch like smoke and they stick it in the hole, and they, they plug the other side of the hole so the mouse come, can't come out, and so it's like getting smoke inhalation, right? The mouse comes running out and they grab it. Well, some of them singe the hair off of them. Some of them don't. 
And so, and the way they, sometimes uh-huh. they don't cook them. They just let them, they skewer them. They hang them in the sun for three days and it, it, they smell like wet dog. <laughs> and uh, the, the grossest thing I probably <laughs> eaten was a, a bite of a wet dog mouse. Like it was wet. It had hair on it. And the only reason I did it, I had met a guy that I, another missionary that was there with me. He's like, I'm going to try it. Are you going to try it? I'm like, yeah, I've tried it before. I'll do it. And, uh, but my picture of that was one that all the hair had been mm. taken off. It was like a piece of meat. No, this was a, a sun-dried, hairy mouse. It was not <laughs> oh, good. Uh, and then we had, uh, we had grasshoppers. They're, they're not bad. Um, I feel like I'd do those if they were yeah. chocolate-covered. And, and they, uh, <laughs> they, actually, they actually like uh, skewered them so they were crispy, so they weren't, they weren't really that bad. Yeah. Um, I've eaten snake. I ate, uh, in South Africa, I ate puff adder. That what is was that? nasty. It's a venomous snake. It's that snake that looks like a python, but it's got a gray, like, diamond head. They can kill you. They're, they're real. They're about three foot long, but they're real thick. And then the scariest thing that's ever happened to me, I'll, I'll tell you that, I was, uh, I was staying with a guy named Don Olding, who our church oh, supports yeah. well. Um, Cheetah he's pants. Now with Go- huh? Cheetah pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's now with Go Live Dare in Italy, but he was in South Africa, and I was staying with a missionary, and uh, I heard something under my bed one night. I didn't know what it was. And I kept hearing it. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be too, you know, I didn't want to whine. I was staying with this missionary for one night. It, it, I was mm-hmm. with Don, but we were staying with a friend of his for one night in, in my own room. And so I'm like, I got to get up. Something's, something's going on. So I get up and I, I to go figure out what it is, I, I go tell the missionary, I was like, hey, there's uh, something under my bed. I don't know what it is. So the missionary comes in there, grabs a machete, and there is a seven-foot black mamba under my bed. Oh, I remember that story. <laughs> I remember that story. And, uh, and for those of you that don't know, a black mamba can kill you with one bite, and you've yeah. got about 20 minutes to live. Yeah, and in Africa, that means you die because they don't have anti-venom on hand unless you're in Johannesburg. That's so, wild. Uh, he killed it, and I have a picture of it. And he's standing, he's standing on like one of those... Um, Foot locker chest that you mm. put the end of it. He's standing on top of that, holding the snake as high as he can hold it, and the tail's touching the ground. That's insane. <laughs> that's so cool. Though. That's yeah. probably about the dangerous. And then the very first trip I went on Malawi, the missionaries that I was helping there, um, their names were the Fulfords. They were from Alaska and were serving them. Their daughter had got up one morning, and she felt something soft on the sink handle. She didn't know what it was. She turned the light on. There was a black mamba wrapped around the sink handle. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> she, like, grabbed it. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, it. Luckily, it didn't bite her. In Blantyre, it actually gets a little cool. And once it gets about, even even below 70, a snake gets lethargic because it's cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. But now, if it had been 100 degrees, that snake probably would have bit her. Because if it's hot, it's yeah. hot-blooded, it's moving around. Because they can be aggressive, too. Um, and then... The last wow. snake, I, I had two, the last two times we've been in Malaya, I ran into snakes. Um, I went with um, Isaac Gorley's dad, mm-hmm. David, and we, I stepped over a Mozambique spitting cobra. Mozambique, yeah. And then this time, <laughs> the boys' dorm we were in, we killed about a two-foot, two to three-foot black crate, which that's not a poisonous one, but it was in our, it was in our room. That's crazy. See, like, I can't do snakes. Mm-hmm. I can't do them. Well, we found a bat in the girls' room. Like a swooping bam, bat, bam, uh-huh. bam, like bam. bats were up in the roof and they were oh. swooping down into the girls' oh, bats. Those I, I thought you bats. meant a baseball. No, yeah, I thought y'all were, were like killing I snakes the, with I bats. I meant the bats. 
<laughs> we're like, in the girls' room. They call. They're like, "Oh, you need to come get these bats out of here." <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think bats it, can get yeah. large. I think people underestimate how, how big, big a they bat are. can yeah, get. We talked about that fifteen yeah. foot one the other the, day. The fox bats yeah. that have like a fifteen foot wingspan. Yeah. That is. Crazy. Little ones that still freak me out. They still freak me out when they're flying. When they're in swarms <laughs> and they just swarm you. Yeah. yeah. We had done the ceiling in their room, but there was one little closet area that didn't have the ceiling done. And the bats were up in the ceiling. They swooped into that room mm. when the ladies turned the lights off. Because the lights will keep them. They don't like light. But when they turn the lights off, it would swoop in the room. Luckily, they had mosquito nets, and they all jumped under their nets. So the bats would be <laughs> running into the nets. <laughs> So. You know, I think on the topic of snakes, I really like to think of, uh, you know, what Adam should have done in the garden and step on the head of the serpent. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think that's what should be done to every snake yeah. because the, good, the best snake's a dead snake. Well, the Africans kill every one of them. They do not like snakes. They, when they, they went and killed that black crate before I could even get over there, but they wouldn't pick it up. I had to pick it up. And they wouldn't pick it up. up? No, they wouldn't so pick it just, up. just kill it and leave it. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he had a pet snake in college, right? Yes. Yeah, so. You're crazy. It was a king yeah. cobra. No, 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 no. Uh, a king snake. Oh, king snake. Oh, king cobra would be insane. No, I, would not, <laughs> be insane. I would not ever have a venomous snake. I had that, and I had a ball python one time. Yeah. They're, they get, they're not very big. They get about four foot, but they, you know, you would sit and watch TV with you on your shoulder. I get the eebie-jeebies every time I see them at the zoo or any, like, any place yeah. where they got them, like the aquariums yeah. or when they brought them to the library as a kid. Yeah, yeah a, the, I think they brought, like, a, they a, like snake a corn museum snake or something. Do you think all those snakes are mad at, at uh, the devil for making them? Cursed. I mean, I would be. <laughs> I would cursed them forever. All my legs are gone now. I, I feel like it'd be a lot more scary if they had legs, though, because they'd be running too fast. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be a, a big lizard. Dude, a black mamba with legs would be a, like one of the deadliest animals in the world at that point. Yeah. yeah or Aaron Ford stomping on the head of the black mamba in Malawi yeah. and Crocs. Yeah. Jumping <laughs> off a truck, the biggest killing one, it. And the biggest like, ones are the, the anacondas. I, I'd hate to see one of those things like full size. Those oh, are those big. Are just wrap around you and just... Choke you out. Yeah. yeah. Every, time, I remember, I think every they, time you take a breath, they just tighten so you can't get I, another breath out. I think they brought one of those like to the library, like a smaller one. Yeah, and not a full was, size. Those things are massive. Yeah, man. they brought like a they brought a smaller one to the library for like the kids to like look at, and that thing was because I held it and it yeah. started like wrap around. They just took it yeah. off. They have a snake museum in Japan. It's literally just a museum dedicated like live snakes. That's it. Nope. <laughs> Best snake's a dead snake. Yeah. Best snake's a dead snake. I can agree with that. Ugh. Well, I guess back on topic, uh, what ways have you seen God's sovereignty in missions? And just uh, like um, on the field and then, you know, back at home too? Well, obviously the souls that are saved, um, every, everything you do in missions is for the gospel, mm-hmm. period. That, that's got to be your why. If that's not your why, then you will fizzle out and fail. Um, but as of late, my focus has actually been more Obviously, the places we go to serve the people, you, you've got to have a heart of servitude, but it's also for the people in our church to grow in their faith. And I've seen some people go to Alaska that were never there, that have never done a mission trip. Mm. And, and in the mission committee, one of our things that we've started growing is all these different places you can go because it creates, like, if someone is a little trepidatious about Malawi or something, mm. hey, they can go to Alaska the first time. They can try it out, you know, try different things in different venues. But I love to see... Um, change lives of people and then you they come back here and you see the change in them too not that they were bad before but yeah. you know they're just more serious about it i know a guy in malawi now that got saved uh on probably my third trip there and he's now serving the lord and works with the orphanage and 
organizations have been there and been faithful. Um, Navigator, who's the president of the college, who came stayed with us, and he was here in church last year. He started out as a garden boy in Malawi. Wow. And uh, the first time I went to Malawi, um, he was my driver. And they're like, hey, this is your navigator. And I'm like, I thought he was my driver, and he would take me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize for about four days that his name was Navigator. navigator. I just thought he was my <laughs> Navigator. And so, but his name was Navigator. Yeah, no, that, that threw me up and too. He, crazy. He, he went from a garden boy, went to college. He has a doctorate in theology. Wow. And is now the the he is the president and main teacher at the Bible College. So you see how things, if you serve the Lord, they come yeah. through faithful. You know, um, we we've our church has built some buildings over there and helped uh, financially with a lot of things. Which you know they're poor; they can't do a lot. Mm-hmm. But, but just and even to see all the resources come together, that's that's God doing that. I don't have those kind mm-hmm. of resources, but God does. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, what uh, what organizations do you usually go through, like the uh, uh, North American Mission Board, I, uh, IMB? Well, that was an, another goal of ours here recently. We're obviously, you know, our church gives a cooperative program, which is IMB, NAMB, all that. But we weren't really going with the IMB on a lot of things because they have a different structure kind of than we are used to. But we recently, the parish trip coming up is an IMB trip. Mm-hmm. We want to get way more involved with the IMB, especially having Katie and uh, Brandon mm-hmm, Brooks, uh, Brooks. Yeah. Uh, we want to get more involved with IMB. Um, the organization through the um, through the orphanage is called Victory World Outreach, um, and it was based right here in Denver, North Carolina, and look, and then Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. those two places. Uh, and then in our church budget, we have the cooperative program that we give to, but then we have a lot of other entities that we give uh, amounts to, like um, people in the church that have relatives on the mission field. Um, Miss, Mr. and Ms. Sullivan, their daughter Jeanette, is in Russia, wow. right now in Russia, wow. even with the war going on. And so we, we try to help support that. So you've got to have a, a holistic picture of missions, not, you know, you know that verse of Acts 1-8, mm-hmm. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. So we, we consider Judea local. One thing we've hit local here hard recently is um, cooperative Christians ministries. Yep. Yeah. Trying to get more involved with them in you know, a crisis pregnancy center. Um, we'll, we'll have another missions conference. Always September, October, we have a missions conference here at our church. And uh, we're already talking about how we can interact and involve the church in that this year. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, Melinda and Chris, mm-hmm. they do so much just uh, in the local community. Right, they do. Um, it used to be my father's house. Now it's Mac House, I believe. Yep. Um, I went there a few times with them. Carter went to, uh, over there. I mean, just to see how committed they are to it. You know, mm-hmm. they left uh, Epic to go out and just serve there every Tuesday night. And I think, yeah. you know, they're fulfilling, you know, their Judea part of uh, right. Acts 1 8. And it's it's beautiful to see. And like, they're longing to see their heart for local missions, you know, where they're mm-hmm. at, where the Lord has placed them. And uh, Chris at his job, always talking about people at Food Line and stuff. Yeah. You, know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I mean, to me, that's a testament. Like, I need to be better too, just in my personal life for the people I work with. and going out and doing more in the community. Um, you know, it's just what they do is, to me, it's incredible. And I, I really appreciate them and their testimony to me right? and what they do. And I think people have a fear of sharing the gospel. And some people, it's easier to go share in Malawi because you don't know the people. Mm-hmm. But we really shouldn't have a fear. If we truly believe the gospel, it's the best news you could ever share with anyone. So why would you be fearful? You know, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, do you want to stand before God one day and say, I didn't tell him? Yeah. Because I, because I was 
scared. I mean, again, if we truly believe in God and who he is and how he can change lives, it's, it's the best. You couldn't give that dude a million dollars and give him anything better. The gospel is mm-hmm. better than that. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And I think uh, I had a conversation um, when I was up at Snowbird with a few of my friends. Um, we sat down at uh, the local Mexican restaurant up there, Monte Albon. Beautiful, oh, yeah. great Mexican food. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we sat there and we were talking about, you know, just like local missions. Like, how can we be active? You know, like, obviously we're working at camp, so we're getting students who are coming to us. Right, but like, how can we go to people who are in the Andrews community? And we sat there and like, we were just talking through, um, just as friends, like, what are the reasons that hold us back? You know, and, I th- and, we, and we ended up coming to the conclusion, for ourselves at least, it was like, you know, we have a, 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 uh, had a minimal view of what hell truly is because when you realize what hell is and what people are going to, you know, experience for eternity, and you realize those are eternal souls that are walking around you every day that are lost and, you know, they're dying without Christ. Like, they're going to experience suffering. And, and, and my mind went straight to the story of the rich young ruler and Lazarus, right? Like, Lazarus is uh, up with Abraham in Abraham's bosom looking across, and the rich young ruler is looking across. It's just if you drop... You know, just a little bit of water on my tongue to quench my thirst. And, you know, Kevin Knight was talking to us about that passage back when we were in the youth group. Like, you, in hell, you can think, you can feel these feelings, you know, the, the fire and the pain and the utter darkness and your, your lacks of, you know, the breath of life because that's who God is. Like, there's no breath and, uh, or no air. Like, you can't breathe. It's just when you realize that and you realize what these people could experience, and it's like, do you really not love someone enough? Do you really hate somebody to not tell them about the gospel? And to me, that, that opened my eyes. And like the next day, we went out to uh, the gazebo, which is right behind all the stuff in downtown Andrews. And, you know, there's, there's a big homeless community in Andrews. And we just, me and my friend Josh Long went and started talking to him. And uh, there was a guy back there. Um, and we get back there, me and Josh, it's a funny story. We, we were talking, like, what movie do we want to go see? We said we wanted to see the movie Tenet, right? Um, it's a movie, I don't know how long ago it came out. I had never seen it, but he's like, Let's, I want to watch this. And I was like, okay, we can watch it. Let's, you know, we looked all over you know, on our TV. Can we find it? No, you can't find it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we're not buying it because Snowbird mm-hmm. don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But we go out and we, we go to see this uh, homeless guy sitting down on, on the gazebo sleeping. And uh, we go up to him and, he, and we're like, hey, man, what's up? You know, he's like, get away. I don't want to talk right now. And to me, uh, at that point, I was like, well, he doesn't want to talk, right? Um, but Josh Long sat there and he goes, you know, no, no, I'm not leaving just yet. Like, he was bold to sit next to this yeah. guy that we don't know. He's a homeless man. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not leaving. He said, hey, man. How are you? He's like, leave me alone. And Josh Long just sat there. He just sat there right next to him. And, you know, I thought at that point, like, oh, if it was me, I would have done left and went to somebody else, you know. <laughs> um, but he sat there the whole time. And he's like, man, what do you want? And that's what Josh Long said to him. He's like, man, I just want to be warm because it's cold in Andrews. It's like 30 degrees. And Josh Long's like, hmm. And I hear him say that to Josh, and I go, well, we have, like, three sleeping bags back in our, mm-hmm. back in, our, in the barn. So I said, let's go grab one and give it to him. We said, we'll be right back. Stay here. Sure enough, we get back. He's still sleeping on the ground. But we brought him back this, um, this sleeping bag and gave it to him. He's like, that's when he perked up because it wasn't just we were talking in words. We are talking in action, too. Right. And, you know, and I think that's especially important in the local community. Like, you show action, show, like, you truly do care about this person. You truly, right. truly do love him. And he's like, what do you want for it? What do you want for it? Pulls out of his pocket a red box movie, Tenet, in the box. And me and Josh, the night before, we're like, we want to see the movie Tenet. I was like, I don't know, we're like, we're not taking that from you. Like, yeah, 
Like, we know this was definitely, like, sovereignly placed by the Lord that yeah. you have the movie Tenant right. in your <laughs> pants pocket right now. Right. I, like, there's no way this doesn't happen without the Lord being sovereign. But I was like, I'm not taking it because I'm giving it to you out of love. Like, I don't want to, it's not a trade-off, you know. Right. Like, Christ is giving you a free gift. Like, represent that, and he ended up coming to Red Oak with us, um, uh, with us. And then me and Josh left, like, gone home from Snowbird, obviously. Now we're back home. But um, to hear that he kept going up to Red Oak. For a while after that, you know, that was that was super encouraging and exciting yeah. to see. But to see how the Lord's working and just the local, like, testimony to, like, being bold and realizing, having a conversation that these people are eternal souls. And if you see it that way and you get your mindset on that, it's like, it'll blow your mind what will happen. Because at that point, it throws away all your fear and all, like, your care about worldly things, right? Like, being denied and, you know, shamed. And just, let's go talk to these people because... They are going to die without Christ. And I think if you have a servant's heart, like um, even on the way back from Louisville, I had asked the Lord, I'm like, make me more aware of things, right? Sometimes I get in my own zone, you know, and I'm doing stuff and I'm just driving. Like you, even driving down the road, you know, you drive, you see people on the side of the road. And what do you think, Paul? If I pull over there, I'm going to get killed, you know? I mean, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, the first thing we do is make some excuse about our safety. And, you know, there's a passage in First Thessalonians 5 that talks about in the end times people would fear for their safety. In the name of safety, they would quit, you know, being evangelists, quit doing this. But anyway, so Bucky's, I was at Bucky's yesterday, and I see this lady, uh, I'm, I'm filling up gas, and again, just trying to be more aware. I see this lady kind of looking around. She's like looking for someone. And typically, I would have just kept about my business, but I stopped for a minute and watched her. Turned out her battery was dead, and she needed to jump. Well, I didn't have any cables, but she did. Mm. So I stopped, pulled over, and jumped, and, and had a, you know, it wasn't a, gospel conversation for that point mm -hmm. but but you know i told her what i where i'd been and i told her i said look i just happen to be passing through i'm not i'm not even from here i said i was up and and i mentioned to her about the orphanage and about you know uh what what we do and how we give the gospel to kids and stuff so i had a you know a two to three minute conversation sometimes that's all it takes yeah but just being more aware i could have just left she would have found somebody else to jump her off yeah but god wanted me to do it yeah see whenever you whenever you pray those prayers like the opportunity mm -hmm. pops up, and uh, no, I had that. I literally, uh, me and Carter have a friend named Zach uh, uh, Coochie is his last name. Mm -hmm. Crazy last name, I know. Yeah. Uh, in today's society, that's his last name. But he he called me today, just out of the blue, Facetime on the way home from church. I ate at uh, Garfolas down here in Concord. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm leaving. He calls me. I'm like, "What's up, dude?" He's like, "What are you doing, man?" So just drive him. What about you? He said, where are you coming from? I said, come from church? So oh, you look all nice and stuff. I was like, thanks, man. I really got athletic shorts on, but I got a sweater on, so it makes me look nice up top, yeah. at least. And he's like, oh, yeah. But then he's like, man, I just need to get my life right, dude. And and I wasn't, and I had literally just like asked the Lord here in the service today, because mm -hmm. to be a good soldier, you know, we're going to suffer. Yeah. Um, to be like, you know, a good farmer. He said, like, uh, uh, I think it was Isaiah brought up one of my favorite verses. Uh, he takes his hand off the plow and looks back. It's not fit for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just like, you know, I need, to, I need to be more active. But the Lord placed this opportunity in my hand. He calls me today on the phone. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. And he's like, man, I need to get my life right. I'm like, so we start talking. Just start mm -hmm. talking. I'm driving all the way back from Garofolos to my apartment. And just start. And he's like, man, I need to start going to church. I said, look, dude, you want to come to church, come with me. Yeah. And then we, start, we get on the conversation of being like, what is, well, you know, what's going to happen if you die without Christ? And he's like, yeah, man. I think about that a lot. Like, I call myself a Christian, but, like, I don't do anything in my life that shows that I'm a Christian or anything like that. But I need to get my life right. I know I'm living the wrong lifestyle right now. And I was like, there's no better time than now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
come on, like, I'll bring you along with me. I'll talk through it with you. And went through, like, we're all sinners. You know, we're all in need of a savior. We can't get to heaven on our own. And he was like, yeah, he understood that, which to me was like, that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. He was like, I was like in shock, you know, for a lot of people, it takes a little while for them to get to that point to admit they're a sinner. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, when you realize that you're, in, that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior. Right. And then we can just, I mean, I, it was a layup. Just a layup. Just put it up there on the, on the backboard and put it in. So, you know, I'll be, I mean, definitely I'll be praying for him. I love that dude to death. He's it's like a brother to me, but this is crazy how fast those opportunities, when you pray for them, they pop up like that. And the Lord's like, all right, you said it. There you go. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. Puts the ball in your court. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Truly. And then what are you going to do? You're going to take it for a touchdown, or you're just going to kneel it down? That's right. Yeah, for sure. The thing about that often. Yeah. But uh, what advice do you got for people going into missions? Um, I like to see people go into do local missions first, <clears throat> start locally. Um, it's hard to take someone to Malawi that has not invested anything locally. Um, it's kind of like learning through experience. Um, if you're not burdened for, well, you're burdened for all people, right, that are, are lost. But the what they consider low-hanging fruit is right here in your community. I mean, people like Zach today, you know, he's already struggling. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I call low-hanging fruit. He's ripe for the taking. And, and you had an opportunity. So we have to be faithful with, um, with what God's entrusted us with here, and then we move forward. You know, we have an application process. We don't do that because we're high and mighty. We do that mm -hmm. because, honestly, it's for that person to know what their testimony is and to help them realize some things. Um, I'm always so encouraged when I go to Louisville, the guy that spoke Friday night, and, the, well, the founder of our organization is 86 years old, and the guy that spoke mm -hmm. was almost 90. Yeah. And... I mean, could shuck the corn. And I mean, he, one, one ear at a time, he was wearing it out. But, but his faithfulness, he's been in the ministry for 68 years. Wow. Preaching for 68 years. That's just such an encouragement to me. I mean, people that could have done anything else with his life probably would have been highly successful, but is in the ministry and, and still, still preaching, can barely walk up stage, had to be helped up stage. But, man, he got up there. And, you know, these guys, the, the light bulb just turns on, you know. And, and I was scared he was going to fall off the stage because he kept <laughs> walking around. He looked down to see where the steps were. But, man, he could preach without a microphone. He, he, I mean, he could just wear it out. But that's encouraging to see. And people, you know, if, if you're not in missions, the first thing you need to do is pray. Yeah. Pray, hey, God, show me where I need to be involved. Everyone in church has a place in missions. Everyone. Mm -hmm. That's my, if you ask me, my true desire for our church is to see everyone activated in missions, whether it be local. I mean, we do some things with Gate Pregnancy Center. We do these, uh, we got one coming up, uh, Saturday of Hope. Mm -hmm. That's our local outreach. We organize those. We even do some stuff around the church, and you say, well, that's not missional. It's not missional totally in and of itself, but the fact that our facilities stay upkept yeah. is a testimony for people that come here, and it speaks loudly too. I mean, you know, you would hate for someone to come here and the door, you know, Closed on nothing works, and you know what kind of testimony would that be? Yeah. So it's all about our testimony. But I, I pray that people will get involved. And every year we've seen more and more get involved in missions, and that that encourages me because ultimately that's what I want. Missions will live with or without me. Mm -hmm. I just want to see people get more and more involved and realize the impact it has on their life. Because when you go to Malawi and you see that, and you come back, it does make you more aware of what's around you, mm -hmm. and you see people complain, and you're like, man. You know, now I've been Malawi. You almost feel guilty if you complain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. 
really do. Do you guys have a goal of like sending a certain amount of people out in like um, five, ten years, anything like that? No, more more with the venues, like ha- having enough venues mm-hmm. in the more uh, five or ten years. Um, we used to be really cost conscious with the venues, and we still are. But at the same time, if the Lord gives us the opportunity, um, I'll normally go like on a preview trip to mm-hmm. kind of see it out, see see if it fits what our church can do and the people in our church. Um, but the Lord again can provide the funding, a hundred percent for for anybody that wants to go. Um, I think last year we were up to over two hundred, and we started out in the twenty five range, thirty range when we first started mm-hmm. doing this. Um, I, I mean, my prayer would be that everybody goes. Yeah. In. And we've even got a way now where um, the mission team. You probably don't know this yet, but even in Alaska, the mission team is going to be coming to um, uh, visit with the children. And so we've got the children's church praying over our missions and our teams going out wow. to be. We want a holistic approach. Everyone in the church involved in missions where they can. A, a, a six-year-old obviously can't go to Malawi, but they can pray. Yeah, 100%. So, so uh, the Paris team, the week before we go to Paris, we're going to be in children's church telling them about the trip, telling them about the people of Paris. So we're going to get a history lesson, a Bible lesson, and get a chance to pray for us. Yeah. And uh, we're coming up on time here, but I guess the last question we got is, uh, what's what's next? Like any big locales you're going or thinking about, or like uh, anything new? Or no, you know, I think the Europe uh, arena will stay. I think that's going to be. I will say Europe's going to be a tough sell. I mean, we will probably go there and never see a salvation for a while. But see, the results aren't measured by us. Yeah. Who are they measured by? Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and you never know the internal impact. Um, I was looking. At a trip in Thailand, oh, so Thailand. maybe Thailand's Thailand nice. coming up. Uh, I know, in, I know, a missionary future. out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got. There's a guy from North Kakalaki. North Kakalaki. Yeah, because he's from the mountains, so it's North Kakalaki to him. Kakalaki. He got moved there. to Thailand. He's an IMB missionary, and so can you imagine ministering with this accent in Thailand? But he's doing it, and uh, yeah. he's learning the language. But um, I could see us trying to go there. Yeah. Um, and then back to, we are working on Central America again, trying to get back to Guatemala, yeah. a couple of places. We've got quite a few Spanish speakers in our church that could go mm-hmm. with us, and they can talk Spanish way better than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think uh, one thing that I've been pondering on, too, is like, I, I'm, and I have a heart for the people, you know, just in the world in general. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely always wanted to, uh, just personally, uh, I think I want to go on like a month, two-month trip out to Brussels, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Just uh, because uh, Greg Helms, I don't know if you know him, he grew mm-hmm. up in Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. But um, he he was up in Brussels, and I got to talk to him when I was at camp, and he was always just like, you know, this is you know the center of the, like, the UN. So all mm-hmm. these, there's people coming from all these countries oh. to Brussels, Belgium, and these people are going back home to their, like, to their right. hometowns, right? right. Like, uh, like the Pauline approach, go to the cities and like send people, they're going back out yeah. to their hometowns. Yeah. So I'll just like, you know, I've always had like, I just want to at least check it out one time. Yeah. You know, if I, you know, see what the Lord has there. Just, cause I think to me, I'll, I'll make an, I hope to make an impact anywhere I go with the gospel. Yeah. Right. Right. But to see, you know, like, wow, I want to see all these different types of people. Paris has, it's a melting, they have 600,000 North Africans. They have over a half a million Chinese people. Wow. In Paris. So it's a melting pot. Like you said, when you go, you never know which one goes back, and you know that's exponential growth, and mm-hmm. and that's what you want to do. You want you want to grow. Pe- this sounds countercultural because culture would tell you don't tell anyone how to do your job because mm-hmm. you don't they'll take your job. But in in missions, I want everyone to be able to do my job so that we we don't add, we multiply, yeah. and then 
when something happens to me, they can go. That's why we've come up with the ambassadors, you know, uh, the Blanfords that are taking y'all to Alaska. A couple years ago, I went to them and said, hey, love for you to start taking over our Alaska. My hands are out of it now. now I'll go sometimes with yeah. them if they need me. But she, she does all that now. I don't have to do it anymore. And you know what? We're more effective that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she knows people I don't know. Um, and she's very, you know, so. And I, I can see us changing our um, national venue here in a couple of years after we do Alaska for three to five years and then change our venue and see where we go from there. West Virginia is always a very poor place that we can help. And but an absolutely like beautiful that. place, too. Oh, I drove beautiful. through it in January. Did you? And it's, I mean, like, yeah, you like said, it's, it's poverty everywhere, but, mm-hmm. I mean, just like, it's a, just a beautiful place. Like, right. the Lord has made this awesome place. Right. And, I mean, I got to, luckily I went to Huntington, which is yeah. definitely not one of the poorest places in West Virginia, but, I mean, still there, there was still poverty. And, like, oh, the yeah. people there, like like you said, they, I mean, they were sad, but, like, even then they had a smile on their face, even though what they're living in is, you know, it's right. it's like, wow, like, if I was living in this, I feel like I'd be... Mm-hmm. super downcast all the time and being like, why, why, why? I mean, there's definitely people there like that, but right. even the people that were there, they had at least had a smile on their face, and I was like, and these people are happy with what they're living in. And right. for yeah. me, you know, luckily we live in a suburb outside of Charlotte, so yeah, it's like, for sure, we're blessed, right? And to them, they're going to say the same thing. Yeah, man, I'm blessed. I'm going to roof over my head. I got food to eat, you know? Right. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes the power ain't on, but... West Virginia is just, I love, I love the scenery up there. I love the people up there. Yeah. And you can do three things. You can pray. If you can't go, you can pray and you can give. If you can't give, you can pray and go. And if you can't go, you can pray and give. So there's always three things, and all those three things are needed for missions. Yeah. Well, I think that was a good 55 yeah. minutes of yeah. podcast, and we appreciate you, you yeah. coming yeah, and talking to us on. about it. And Thank you. you know, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, yeah. But this is our interview with uh, King. A real life missionary. <laughs> a real life missionary. Not living on the field, but he's still a missionary. Yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah, we figured up this weekend, um, Dr. Gentry, who is the founder of uh, Victor World. I've been in Malawi a year of my life now. Wow. I've been so many times for so long each time I go. Wow. Yeah. So that's a long time. If you train, start to think. Yeah, I never really thought about it until we started talking about all the trips we've gone on and, you know, and. and He's done a lot in Malawi. Yeah, how things, how things come full circle, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And God has a. Uh, the building that we stayed in was the very first building I ever built in Malawi that we stayed in this time. And for years it went away. It looked like we weren't even going to have the property. Mm -hmm. And now we have it, and we stayed in it. It's it's interesting. That is awesome. Crazy. That is awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming out, man. Thank you. Thank you.